on a a journey that's sort of more health and wellness related because I uh, I started truly understanding the importance of that as an athlete and then um, you know later on as a as a husband as a father things like that. Welcome to the Juggling the Chaos of Recovery podcast wellness spot where we focus on health and wellness and how you can reclaim your health and life today. You're in the right place if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And you've been helping so many others. It's time to help yourself. In a time when health and wellness can be so confusing, I'll share my knowledge as a nurse and 20 years in wellness and help you navigate through. You will hear stories of people who have used the Shackley products, including me, as they have truly been a game changer for health. And I'm here to tell you that it's never too late to pay attention to your health and how making a smart plan with natural choices can help you live your best life today. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Moira Gorski, and today is a Wellness Wednesday episode. And we, you know, I try to share about wellness and about choices that I've made um, in choosing products and just different wellness things that I've learned along the way so that I can show up the best for me. Ben, you know, it's been a game changer to use the Shackley product line and not, it's all about the Shackley, but um, there's a, again, it's been, it's made such a big difference in my life and my health and those around me. And today I am bringing to you, um, I'm very honored to be able to share with you, Eli Bremer, who is an Olympic athlete. Um, He's a modern pentathlete. Uh, He's competed in the summer games of 2008 in China. Uh, I have known him through my involvement with Shackley. I've met him at different um, events and meetings and really been, again, blessed to be connected with him. And I'm really grateful that we, that I could bring him to you today to talk about, again, many of the things that I talk about on this podcast, overcoming challenges, overcoming health challenges in particular, and again, about the smart choices that we can make. And when we make those smart choices, what a difference it can make in our health and in our life. So before I continue on, um, thank you, Eli, for joining me today. Well, thanks, Moira. Great. We could finally get the schedule. We had we had a few hiccups. I guess two busy people right. uh, have trouble finding the same place at the same time. Right. Yep. Glad that we can connect today. And I appreciate your uh, patience with that rescheduling um, as well. I guess we both had to reschedule a few times. So a couple of yeah, times. Yeah. A couple of times. So. You know, as I've learned, again, through hearing you speak and um, uh, going out to dinner with you and have conversations, you know, you had some health challenges as you were um, becoming an athlete or as you were an athlete and as you were working towards uh, bettering yourself as an athlete. And I think it's really fascinating to hear that story. So as I do with a lot of these podcasts, I ask people to start with their story. So if you can start by sharing that, you know, again, that your challenges with your health as it related to you being a better performer and, you know, things like mm. that. I'd love to to start there. Sure. Well, I'll, you know, I'll start out by saying that, you know, people assume because I was, you know, an Olympic athlete and one of the fastest all-time uh, athletes in running and swimming that I, I grew up as a naturally gifted athlete and everything uh, athletically came to me on a silver platter and really nothing could be farther from the truth. I, I remember uh, trying out for the swim team when I was I think eight years old, and it took me three attempts to uh, to get on the worst swim team in town because I was so bad. And then uh, when I was thirteen, my parents pulled me aside one day. Uh, I, I I 
have never forgotten this day. And my parents and I still joke about it. Uh, they pulled me aside and we were in the kitchen and they said, you know, it's time for a little honest conversation about your athletic abilities. It's just not panning out for you. And, uh, you know, you're, you're really more cut out to do things like piano and stuff like that. So we think you should quit the swim team and, and really focus on where your talent is. And uh, while I was not a particularly good athlete at the time, I, I was, in fact, a particularly good negotiator. And I, I talked my parents into letting me drop piano and, um, and lean more into swimming. And uh, more on that later in terms of, of the future of wellness and, and why that becomes important. Uh, but then I started swimming more. Uh, I got better and better. And by the time I was a senior in high school, I was a division one swimming recruit, uh, cross country recruit. I was, uh, I, I broke four city records in swimming and, um, was really well on my way to becoming a, a true elite athlete. So, uh, I was a two sport athlete at the air force Academy. That's an incredibly difficult academic program, you know, sometimes taking 23, 24 credits while doing, uh, you know, military work while trying to compete in division one sports is, is pretty difficult. So, uh, made conference in both swimming and, uh, fencing. I was the team captain of the fencing team. And then after the Academy, I started pursuing my dream of going to the Olympics. I, I dabbled in the modern pentathlon in high school and, and a little bit in college, um, but I knew that my true pursuit would be after graduation. And so, uh, pentathlon, shooting, fencing, swimming, horseback, riding, and running, and got into that very seriously, made my first world championship team in 2001, uh, 2002, I won my first national uh, championship. And, uh, but that's when I sort of hit some of my first serious health issues. I was training full-time at the Olympic training center. And I, I felt like I just, you know, was, was in quicksand. I couldn't move, just felt terrible. Um, went in and got a bunch of tests, found out I was uh, extremely iron deficient. I was extremely anemic. And uh, we, uh, you know, had to rule out things like cancer and all that. But then it, it became very clear. I just wasn't absorbing enough iron. Um, and so I, I tried to fix it with diet. Um, that didn't work. I was eating uh, liver and onions five days a week. The staff at the Olympic Training Center, they, they'd have them prepared for me at lunch every day. And it's disgusting. Like, it is just... Uh, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I just... Yeah, that, it's not, not a good thing. And I was eating um, spinach and all this other kind of stuff. And the reason for that was that there's... Uh, in the Olympics, drug testing is extremely strict. And uh, I didn't want to be taking any supplements that, that were potentially contaminated. And so I was just trying to deal with this purely by diet. And that didn't work. Um, eventually, I went to the head physiologist. He recommended um, a product that I could go get it um, at the, the store down the street. You know, he said, no one's tested positive on it yet. And I'm like, well, gee, that's you know, at least something. And so tried that. Uh, I was taking about 15 times the recommended daily allowance of iron and was it moving the needle still. I could barely train. I was just so fatigued. And then um, my mom, who has a doctorate in human nutrition, was talking to me about it at one point. And um, she asked, you know, okay, what are you, what are you on? And I told her, and she said, we ought to look at what Shackley has. And I said, what difference does it make? I mean, iron is iron is iron. And she said, no, it's not. There's actually several different um, forms of iron and not all of them are absorbed the same way. And that was the first time I ever understood that um, potency and absorption actually matters. And so we actually ordered some uh, Shackley, some of Shackley's iron. And, you know, within probably four to six weeks, my ferritin, which is your blood iron spiked. And the, the, the core issue was that I've been, I've been taking um, iron that's much cheaper 
uh, less expensive, but it's also less absorptive. And so it was ripping my stomach apart and it wasn't even getting into my system. And so over the next, you know, gosh, it's been, you know, nearly two decades now been on a, a journey that's sort of more health and wellness related because I, uh, I started truly understanding the importance of that as an athlete. And then, um, you know, later on as a, as a husband, as a father, things like that. Um, but fast forward a number of years down the road, uh, I was, I missed my first Olympic team chance in 2004. I broke my foot, um, while I was running in practice one day, wound up working for NBC as an Olympic commentator, uh, had a great experience in Athens, uh, Greece and dedicated myself to another four years of training. But I decided I really wanted to not just be like, I'd always sort of wanted to be the toughest trainer, but I said, I need to put my brain to use. And I want to really focus on being the best at everything and paying attention to little things. And so I started auditing everything in my life. And one of the places I got to was nutrition and sort of overall wellness is associated with nutrition. And, and I said, okay, I need to weaponize this. I need to use it as a strategy. It's not it's not binary. It's either good or it's bad. I, I sort of said, I, how extreme can I get on being healthy and using nutrition? Um, that led to my number two in the world ranking. So I, I sort of learned how to use nutrition to weaponize, uh, weaponize as an athlete. And then, uh, you know, fast forward, you know, we can talk more about sort of all the Olympians I work with and their nutrition, but it became much more personal to me in, in 2014 my wife, uh, my wife and I discovered she was pregnant and she has some serious health problems. Uh, she has a rare vascular disease. And so one of the things that we used to support her during her pregnancy was, uh, extremely targeted nutrition. And, um, you know, we have some of the best medical care in the world for her, her condition out here in Colorado, but she wound up going into, um, uh, she wound up having to go into the hospital at 24 weeks and then doing an emergency delivery at 27 weeks to our son, who was one and a half pounds uh, at birth. And so, you know, so we, we really looked at it and said, OK, we need to use nutrition as a um, now not as a sports thing, not to not to win on the field of play, but to win, um, you know, to win in life. And fast forward another two years, my son, um, you know, was in all sorts of therapy. He spent 105 days in the hospital at the start of life. And he was basically getting ready to be diagnosed with um, something that's called failure to thrive, which basically means that he's not, he's not just developing on the schedule of a child. And we don't know why. And uh, my wife was in, uh, in medical management at the time, very, very actively taking a role in his healthcare. And we had a bunch of blood tests done and it came back. You know, we were looking for like, is there an underlying syndrome? We don't know, like cystic fibrosis, something like this. And we discovered that he had, uh, he had extremely low ferritin blood iron as well. And the medical professionals at first sort of said, well, that wouldn't describe, you know, why is he having all these other things? And I said, well, what if he can't uptake oxygen? If you're constantly oxygen deprived, uh, which is what happens if you're low in iron, you can't form enough red blood cells, uh, you know, and it, it really causes the rest of your systems to sort of struggle. Um, what if it's just generic lethargy across the system because he has no iron in his system? 
So we, um, we actually put them on uh, liquid, uh, liquid multivitamin with an adult dose of iron that Shackley had. It's, you know, I guess running their, running their uh, major sponsorship program has its perks because I, I was able to, to say, okay, what's in this? How safe is it? You know, so we ran it by the doctors and stuff and said our, our, our very fragile child can take this. And the results were pretty stunning um, because when we did an analysis of his liquid diet, at, at, at almost two years old, he couldn't eat solid foods. And so he was on a physician prescribed liquid diet. And we realized that he was about 30% deficient in micronutrients across the board. So we started supplementing him and it was very important. That these are clean, pure supplements because you, know, you got a kid with you know, terrible medical condition to begin with. The last thing you want to do is be giving him heavy metals and things like that. That are, it's a lot of contaminants in the supplements uh, that are sold on the, off the shelf these days. So anyway, uh, we started supplementing him. And, you know, we were working with physicians and, and, you know, again, I want to make very clear, this was an extreme medical situation. We were consulting with great doctors and within about, you know, 10, 11 days, our son suddenly just felt like he woke up. He went from not being able to walk, he could walk three, four steps to, we went on a walk to the end of our neighborhood and back, which is about a quarter mile, all in under two weeks. And all of a sudden, all of his systems just started clicking within five months we went from uh, a therapist every day of the week to all five therapists that fired him and said okay he's he's on schedule now we're not worried about him anymore and really what we were dealing with was a, a massive uh, nutritional deficiency that was on a physician prescribed diet and i don't you know i'm not going to say the medical community screwed it screwed up or anything like that it, it, this is just you know sometimes things get very extreme and so it became very personal to us, the importance of nutrition in, uh, in overall health and wellness, because I mean, going to the Olympics, being one of the best athletes in the world is important, but making sure your son has a shot at life, uh, let's just say they're, they're not quite in the same category. So I've, I've sort of run the whole gamut there in terms of how nutrition's impacted my life and the life of my family. Yeah, I mean, it's a, again, a fascinating story and I always, <clears throat> I'm fascinated and in awe of it every time I hear it. And although we're not all, certainly those that are listening to the podcast, we're not all striving to be the best in the world to get to the Olympics. We do want to, I mean, I think we all deserve to live our best life, as I say. And, you know, the fact that this kind of came full circle for you, starting with your own, and then, you know, being able to use that knowledge that you had learned about in your son and in, in yourself to help with your son, I think is um, pretty remarkable and, and uh, pretty cool, if you will. I'd like to back up a little bit, just even, you know, to kind of step away from the nutrition part of it for a sec, but just say like, okay, so you swam and you ran. And so then how did you, and you said, oh, I got introduced to pentathletes in, or pentathlon in high school. Well, you and I are I don't know, about the same age, maybe you're a little younger than me. Like I never heard about that in high school. Like, were you just an overachiever? Cause like when you hear people like I do five sports, well, I do one. And so then you, you know, like, did you just want to be an overachiever or was that just something? No, I, it said, I was, I was the last person anybody thought growing up would ever go to the Olympics. Um, in fact, my, I, I, I'd grown up riding horses competitively, not, not serious competition. We did, you know, 4-H and some hunter jumper stuff. But my old coach, when my my mom uh, was talking to her at one point, she said, you know, did you know one of your students made the Olympics? And she said, oh yeah, I always knew Justin had a good chance to go all the way. And and Justin's my older, one of my older brothers. <laughs> my mom's like, no, it was Eli. And she was like, what? <laughs> uh, so uh, 
I can get into that a little bit more later of some of the stuff I've learned in the, in the years since. But um, I actually, uh, my mom met a pentathlete. Uh, we lived, we grew up just, uh, just next to the Air Force Academy and I was on the youth swim team there. Uh, my mom was swimming. Um, she picked up swimming as physical therapy when she wrecked her knee when I was a kid. And so she was swimming, just exercise. When I'm talking to a young couple, uh, the husband was an instructor at the Air Force Academy, a PE instructor. And, you know, he said, you know, they, they were talking about sports and, and uh, they said, well, yeah, we did this sport, the pentathlon. And, you know, my mom doing what every mom said, well, you know, my, my kids are swimmers and they ride horses. So, logically speaking, they're going to be amazing at this sport, you know, and I'm sure he was like rolling his eyes. So he met all three of us and uh, went back to my mom and said, well, the older two have some potential. (laughs) (laughs) So, so my brothers were like, you know, it was like, okay, great. You know, I'm the youngest of three. So I get to play tag along. And so, you know, they, they went to a few competitions and, you know, we're like thinking about taking it seriously. And I'm just the little tag along baby brother um but uh you know i i just i stuck with it and i i actually had a lot more talent than anybody realized um you know we've we know a lot more about genetics and things like that now that's been the last few years i've been working in in, uh, genetics in health and wellness and um you know so we i actually had tons of talent i was just in a in a program that didn't tap into it so anyway, so that's how I heard about the pentathlon. And then that gentleman eventually became uh, one of my coaches, coached me all the way through the Olympics. And, you know, we developed a very, very, you know, very good uh, relationship uh, to this day. But uh, yeah, that's how I sort of got into it. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I mentioned this to uh, Bill Roy, who I uh, had interviewed um, a little bit ago, who was also in the Air Force Academy. And um, I told him that, and I may have shared with this with you, but our youngest son, uh, Tommy, is not going to the Air Force Academy, but he will be enlisting um, in the Air Force. And his uh, dream is to become a mechanic for all those planes and helicopters. And um, and we're thrilled for him. And, and uh, he'll be heading off in August. But he just went to MEPS, which whatever that stands yep, for, is that, you know, is the, the day that they go and um, get their physical and go through the different testing. He's already gone through the academic testing and made that. So um, his recruiter, he shared with me, who I've met a couple of times, um, you know, and, and Tommy, he's a great kid. He's pretty slight. I mean, he's a hockey player, but he hasn't played hockey in the last year and a half. And he's been working, you know, there's a weight requirement for to enter the Air Force. And uh, he was just at that point when he met with the recruiter first off. So he said, you can't drop between below 125. And you actually try to have to try to gain some weight. So he's been kind of, you know, taking the, uh, he's been working hard the last few weeks to work out and to do the protein and, uh, you know, try to build up some muscle mass and gain some weight. So his recruiter reached out to him to give him the details about MAPS and said, so are you drinking any protein powder? You'd taken anything like that? And he said, yeah, I've been, you know, I do it after I work out and I add the creatine. And so he says, you know what, stop all of that until you get through your MAPS. And um, because he said somebody just got, just got bumped because their drug test came up. So I said, well, you know what? You can stop taking that creatine. I don't know where you get that, that you're taking, but you don't have to stop taking your Shackley protein. And um, I don't, I don't know if you really paid attention to me, but or really understands the value of that. But that's, I certainly do. And that's what you certainly have taught us in the field, um, is that there is and just what we talked about, there is such a difference in 
the products that, you know, the, the protein products out there, the sports products out there. Um, and, you know, again, with that, so maybe we talk a little bit about the Olympics and the Olympic athletes, and you alluded to it a little bit, like why most Olympic athletes won't come close to taking a supplement or protein because it, there might be something wrong with it. Just like, again, that could have um, derailed my husband, my son's chance for getting into the Air Force as it can derail the chances of someone, you know, making it to the Olympics too. So... Yeah, it's 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 really bad. Um, the most recent research I sh I saw showed it was about eighty percent of of products in this sort of sector have some form of contaminants. Now, some of them are are more benign than others. With that said, you know the contaminants are usually pretty bad. In some cases, it's it's things like heavy metals, so you're not going to test positive on a drug test for that. But it's it's not good. I mean, there's a reason we don't you you know we don't have lead paint anymore, things like that. And so that's that's a huge problem. And you often kind of get what you pay for in terms of health products. So like when I was taking all this uh, cheap iron, it was actually clean. It probably was not contaminated, but it also didn't do anything for me. So what's the point? If you're taking a synthetic vitamin D, you're, you're not really going to absorb that. And I actually see that quite a bit right now where people are taking, they're, they're taking products that are very inferior and they're not getting results. And, and we kind of know that from other areas i mean if, if you look at a um a car company and you look at various different brands i mean you know when you see you know lexus that you're going to pay more for that but you're getting a better quality car and that's true with virtually everything and and supplements are are no uh no exception and what a lot of people do fail to see though is that it, it does come down to the the two P p's purity and potency and purity matters because if you are getting drug tested that's that's important but also like for my son um, yeah, everybody sort of assumes that, you know, if it, if it comes with a proper label or something, it's going to, uh, it's going to be pure. When, when we put him on iron from Shackley, um, we were actually giving him the liquid, uh, liquid vitamins called Liquily. And he had actually to this day, he still got a, um, a feeding tube through his stomach, a G tube so that we can get him medicines and stuff like that on an emergent basis. And we were grinding up the, uh, the same iron I was taking, put, you know, putting it in water, dissolving it and then putting it right into his stomach. And uh, so we were doing that and the doctors were like, we're going to write you a prescription anyway. You can go down to Walgreens, get your prescription. So probably, I don't know, three, four weeks after they'd done that, we get a call from the pharmacy saying, are you taking this iron? And we said, no. And they said, okay, throw it out. Why? It's contaminated. We had a national issue all of it's contaminated, stop, you know, don't use it, throw it out. And that came out of a pharmacy. So, uh, you know, if you can get that out of a pharmacy, imagine what you're getting out of, you know, some of these other products that are unregulated. And, you know, they're, if they're selling it by a discount, well, that's, you know, it costs money to, to produce good products. So well, and that's said, the get thing. what you pay for. Right. I mean, you just, and the thing is, people just don't know. And they, and they trust, you know, they trust the one that perhaps has, the most money to put into advertising or that some athlete decides to get, you know, accept the payment for, you know, taking the, mm. you know, taking the product or something like that. And, you know, I also just thought of when you were talking, like my background in nursing, like you take, if you have a prescription, you take the prescription dose, right? You wouldn't think like, okay, I'm feeling a little less than good. So I'm going to take double the dose, you know, but yeah. what you're, but with, proper with the right supplementation and the good, right quality 
And like you said, with your particular, you know, with your son under the guidelines of a doctor, I mean, you can take more than is on the label and it's going to be okay. It's actually, you're going to be that much, that much. But, and this is an interesting point. We're, we're at the genesis of a new set of understandings about how nutrition works. And I, I sort of alluded to this earlier. Um, in the last few years, I've been really geeking out on genetics and, and how genetics interact our bodies for human performance. And by that, I don't just mean, you know, how does, a, how does an Olympic athlete win a gold medal? But I mean, human performance is how do you get out of bed in the morning? You know, how do you have the energy to get through a day? How do you, uh, how do you extend your life? How do you extend the quality of your life? Things like, that's all human performance. You know, one of the things I discovered was that I actually am extremely talented as a mid-distance athlete, but I have to do a lot more cardiovascular work than the average person to tap into that. So when I, when I was 13, I was only swimming three days a week. And, you know, a year later, I was swimming 11 practices a week and I was tearing everybody up because I was playing into my genetics. When I was 23 and terribly anemic, we didn't know why. Uh, we now know why. My body has trouble absorbing iron. A lot of trouble. And guess what? I kind of pass that on to my son. <laughs> so mm -hmm. uh, that's how genetics work. And so one of the things that I'm, I'm coming to believe is that our understanding of the RDA, the recommended daily allowance, is probably wrong because it assumes that everybody is the same. And everybody's not the same. I have a genetic predisposition toward, uh, toward low vitamin D. And especially it's, it's wintertime right now, so I'm not outside as much. I have to take, I'm taking three to four times the RDA for vitamin D. And yet, uh, you know, and that's just to stay normal. And so a lot of people sort of think, okay, you know, why should I supplement if I eat a healthy diet? I'll be fine. That's actually not true. Your, your nutritional needs are different than other people. You may need two or three times the RDA of one thing, and you might need one-tenth of it. I, I hyperabsorb calcium. Uh, I mean, I, it's like, if I look at a glass of milk, you know, my bones get stronger. <laughs> um, and, uh, and interestingly calcium binds to iron. So I, not only do I hyperabsorb calcium, but the calcium sucks the iron out of my body. So I'm an adult male who has to take iron supplements. My son has to take iron supplements. So our understanding of nutrition is getting so much bigger. And, and a lot of people have said, well, I'm getting the RDA. That's all that matters. Actually, it's, it's a lot more complex than that. And we're, we're, we're gaining some understanding uh, of, of how that works and why it works. Well, and the RDA, I mean, what I understood in nursing school is it kind of is that baseline, if you will, so that you don't get the disease, get the disease, right? If the amount of vitamin C you need in order to not get scurvy. So it's well, not really right that, to that live into your that, optimal life. Uh, I would actually say that we're now learning that, that you can take the RDA and that may not even be good enough for some people. Um, I can, I need to take, I have to supplement with vitamin D because the RDA is not enough for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so again, our understanding of nutrition is, is growing by leaps and bounds with what scientific research is now showing. And I think it's important for people to realize that, that, you know, you're, your best friend may be doing a program that works for them and you need to look at what's right for you. So you may have someone who, who does fairly well without having to do a lot of supplementation. That being said, I think probably everybody's short of something. <laughs> I really do. That's why multivitamins are awesome. I was given a speech to a, a, a an elite developmental group um, sports camp a week and a half ago. Someone said, what's the most important thing in your nutritional regimen? I said, a multivitamin. 
we're, we're still working on that like truly tailored approach. We're, we're gonna have it at some point, but right now we use the multivitamin because you're not wrong to take more of certain vitamins you know, that you, that you, you, you may, you may uh, not be short in, but if you don't get your deficiencies up, your health will never be optimal. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's that, you know, as I talk about all the time, it's up building your, ho- your health on a good foundation, right? We got to get the yeah. good foundation of your house. If you're building a house, if you don't, if there are cracks in the foundation, then it doesn't matter what you put above it. It's yeah. all going to come, you know, tumbling down. And, you know, I know we've talked about the meology, which Shackley developed, which is a good, you know, next step in trying to personalize our nutrition. Um, it's not as fancy, if you will, or as sophisticated as, doing genetic testing and things like that, which I find, again, my science geeking part, I could talk to you forever about science because I love that. You know, it can really get super specific. And um, I think it's fascinating because again, if you are looking at pushing yourself to the limit and trying to be the best in the Olympics or um, in the military to fight the, you know, fight or for the as country, a parent or <laughs> as a parent. Yeah. I mean, I've, yeah. again, people have so, heard my story that, you know, having you know, and you can perhaps relate to this, having a, someone struggle that's, you know, one of your children, it leads to an amount of stress that you really have never encountered before. And it can make a huge, has a huge impact on your health. So it, it does. And, and I think what's important here, I love the saying that when it comes to health and nutrition, there is no one size fits all. There's a one size fits one. And, you know, I think the allergy that Shackley's using is a good step forward toward, uh, toward that and saying, you know, your, your health journey is a journey. You'll learn more and more about yourself. And, and uh, you know, that it, it's very individualistic. With that said, there's also some, there's also some commonalities. So for instance, taking contaminated supplements is bad for everyone. <laughs> uh, you know, taking, taking protein powders that have you know, heavy metals in them is bad for 100% of people. So, you know, there are some, there are some lessons that you can have that are, that are applicable to everyone. And then there's also an understanding of saying, okay, as you walk along your health journey, you're going to discover things that are really useful for you. You know, some people respond incredibly well to intermittent fasting. I have people, you know, people who come up to me and said, keto is absolutely right for everyone. I say, that's actually not what genetics say. It's there are people that respond pretty well to that. There are people that don't. And so I think as people look at their own health journey, it's important to say it's a journey. It takes a little bit of trial and error, but there are some fundamentals. Taking a a vitamin D product that you can absorb is always going to be better than when you don't. Uh, It's really hard to get vitamin D toxicity, but like I use that a lot because it's, it's pertinent to me. I have vitamin D deficiency. And right now we're dealing with COVID-19 and your, your bodily vitamin D levels are extremely important in terms of the, uh, the, the, how much that, uh, that disease attacks you. So I've been, you know, I've been cramming vitamin D uh, supplements every single day since the pandemic started because I'm like, Hey, you know, if I get this thing, I want to be able to defend myself and I can't just eat a healthy diet and get enough vitamin D. That's, that's me personally with my genetics. Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah, very good, wise words that I hope people uh, heard there. Um, you know, so you again became an Olympic athlete. You were a sponsored athlete with, from Shackley, and then you decided a couple of years later um, to again start a team and start, you know, spreading that, you know, what you've learned about nutrition and take, you know, optimizing your nutrition, optimizing your performance, and taking that 
to share with other Olympic athletes. So let's talk just a little bit about that. Again, the reason for doing that or what you've learned or really what you hope to, yeah. to share in that. Well, this is birthed out of the, uh, the issue that in sports to this day, there's still mass paranoia about taking any form of supplementation. And that has to do with the contaminants. Olympic athletes are tested all the time. If, if you have a contaminant in your system, you, you get a ban. And you know, it tarnishes your reputation, too, because everyone's sort of wondering, okay, gosh, you said you got it from your supplement, but were you actually cheating? So you know, culturally inside elite sports, um, there's, a, there's a heavy bent towards saying, okay, if you can avoid supplements, let's do it. And I couldn't because I couldn't avoid it because I had you know, massive levels of iron deficiencies that can only be dealt with via supplementation. So when I did all my, um, my research on Shackley, on their, their product purity, things like that, I, you know, I was comfortable taking them. But uh, I, was, I was having a conversation with uh, the, at the time, chief marketing officer of Shackley in 2011. And at, you know, at one point I said, you know, do you know you're like the only product that's actually really pharmacy grade that, and this is, this is a struggle a lot of athletes have is, is confidence taking uh, clean products. And you know, he said, I had no idea that that was so important in your, in your world. And I said, yeah. And I said, you know, I think there'd be a lot of athletes who'd actually, you know, would like to know, you know, you guys don't have a formalized way. They, Shackley was kind of running an ad, an ad hoc sort of program, you know, and the next year we had 17 athletes in the Olympics with seven medals. That was pretty good. And they said, this is actually really cool. We love the, we love the story of this because these are not, you know, high dollar athletes that were paying to, you know, to, to you know, take our products. These are athletes who are like, I need to supplement to be the best in the world. So that's pure performance. And it's grown now to, you know, this massive endeavor. I don't know how many athletes we've got. I think we've already got 35 athletes uh, on board who are competing in the next Olympics. We'll be way, way more than that just because there's qualifications still going on. Um, but we've had the last two winter Olympics, 10% of the entire U S team, right around 10% uh, are using Shackley, um, Shackley products. And again, that's driven by a desire for pure products. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely been a lot of fun to work with those athletes. Um, you know, some of them, it's, it's just sort of boosting their health and wellness. And some of them, uh, you know, we have, we have athletes that come in the door that are just dying. You know, they're dealing with something. It's super tough. We have a diver who, who came to us a, a number of years ago, I think three years ago now, and she said, I don't have enough energy to make it through practice. And we spent nine months or a year working with her, uh, getting blood tests done, uh, you know, working with, with, uh, with doctors, physicians, and dialing in a nutritional regimen. And she's off to the races. I, I think she's uh, on, on task to make her second Olympic team this summer. Um, we have a fencer, same story, came in. She was telling me how much difficulty she was having, had some medical issues. We were able to really get that dialed in. And I remember she called me a couple weeks later and said, I, I've only been doing this regimen. It was a really, really specialized regimen. I mean, we hit it hard. Vitamin D was, I think, one of her deficiencies, and we walloped it. And she calls me up and was like, Eli, it's only been a few weeks, and boy, it feels night and day difference. Is it possible, or do you think it's placebo? I said, no, it's, you know, when you feed your body what it needs – and you're trying to do such an extreme thing, it makes sense. And uh, she'll be going back to her second Olympics this summer. So, uh, you know, it's, it's really fun. A lot of people ask questions, you know, well, don't you just pay these you know, famous athletes to say they like you? No, we don't. We're, we're, uh, 
we actually partner with them and, and, you know, work with them to weaponize nutrition for their, for their benefit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a great thing. And again, how exciting, because when you're working towards that, that goal, you know, if you can find something that can be your silver bullet or I mean, and I love that weaponizing your nutrition to take you to that high level. I mean, and that's safe and pure. It's a good thing. But Moira, you know, you don't have to be an Olympian to do that. You know, you can weaponize your nutrition to be as healthy of a parent as you can be, you know, to be as best of a businessman as you can be. I mean, if you think about it, I, I work in some pretty, pretty interesting spaces in business and wind up in some pretty interesting meetings. And your cognitive ability when you're in those meetings matters a lot. You know, the ability to be able to track complex things so whether that's business or as I said, as a parent or as a friend, whatever, nutrition impacts everything we do. And, and I think a lot of people just gloss over that. But if you think about it, every molecule in your body started as a piece of food that you ate at one point. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go build a house and you get lousy building materials, what kind of outcome do you think you're going to have? Right. So, you know, it's, it's just logical if you're building your body and whether it's um, you know physical or mental or emotional, nutrition plays a serious role in this because it it impacts everything we do. It's I, I don't want to say it's a solution to 100% of the problems you know that, that you face. I mean, there's obviously complex issues that that go beyond that. We've seen that in my family's life, but it's a it's a really really solid starting point to develop health and wellness is is through your nutrition. I could not agree with you more. I mean, I deal with that. Um, I get the, you know, get feedback, have people say, you know, in my coaching too, of helping them, you know, be healthier, they'll say, well, this is just the way I am, you know, and this is the way I always feel. And so many people think that that's the baseline that they have to accept. And yeah, like you said, you don't have to be an Olympic athlete to just really take a look at what can really help you yourself just feel good and show up. And, and I have to tell you that, again, many that are listening to this podcast have someone that's in their life that struggled with an eating disorder. And I do myself. And I have a daughter that continues to struggle with that. And I, I mean, it, it, it hurts me to the core to see it, but I've seen it firsthand, somebody who's malnourished, and how cognitively they can't show up, you know, energized, why she can't show up, the decisions, it's so hard. And she can still, it's still amazing to me, to see what she can do and how she can think, but she's so subpar. And that's what people deal with, you know, again, when it's extreme, when it's an eating disorder, but so many of us, just like you said, regular life, we're just not getting, because we think we can get everything from our food. We think we don't, or we take the vitamin, you know, we take the vitamins from Osco that are the, you know, wonderful two for ones that we're probably just eliminating out and never absorbing. So never taking it. So, Again, I can't agree with you more. You don't have to be an Olympic athlete. And uh, nutrition, I do truly believe, is is the core to so much of our better life. And and Moira, I, I also think that a lot of it is people understanding you're never going to be perfect with this. You know, there are going to be times when your your choice is you have nothing to eat or you're going to go to get a fast food, whatever. Okay, so let's be realistic as human beings and say we're not going to be perfect with anything, but on the on the continuum the more good choices you can make that's that's helpful if you know 
you've got deficiencies or you got predispositions for deficiencies, preemptively supplementing is helpful. And, and so don't judge yourself as much by accumulating accumulation of the bad choices you make, try to judge yourself on the accumulation of good choices. You know, I tell people like, you know, the, the best workout you can do is the one you do get right. out the door and go for a walk. If you're not going to do anything, if, if you're going to go for a walk and you decide to upgrade it to a jog, that's maybe a little bit better, but, but, you know, pat yourself on the back for doing the right things because it's pretty easy to get down on yourself, whether it's nutrition or exercise or whatever it is, and say, I can't measure up to perfection. Therefore, I'm gonna just throw in the towel. I, I, I can't, I'm not gonna eat all organic food all the time and make my own food and all this. So what the heck, I'll just eat fat. Like, I can't be perfect, so I won't try it. No, 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 just do it a little bit better than you were and build on that. And, and you know, good health is a, is a com- is accumulation of good decisions. Right. Right. And I talk about that all the time. It's just really about the choices that you make. And you can still walk into a fast food restaurant and take a look. And if that's your only choice in the middle of the night, you know, in Podunk, Iowa, you know, and there's a there's a good choice and there's a not so good choice. So just try to make you know, yeah. try to make the good choices and um, and know that it, it is we're not about perfection. We're about progress. We're about, again, choices and the culmination of all those decisions. And I think it's a good place to kind of wrap things up. You gave us a good couple of, you know, words of wisdom there, but anything just kind of, you know, in your experience of life. And again, I'm only giving you a few minutes here, but just a couple of those last words. Again, you talked about, you know, good decisions there. Um, at least get out and do it. You know, a couple other kind of tips that you'd like to leave the audience with. Yeah. Remember, you've got you've got one body. You wear it your whole life. Okay, there's there's no mulligans on that. And I, I've never heard anyone regret saying, "I'm going to try to just make some healthier choices with with whatever that is. Uh, if it's mental health, emotional health, physical health, things like that." And so, I would encourage people. Again, I see people get down on themselves all the time. Elite athletes get down on themselves. I was talking to I was talking to one of our athletes who. Um, uh, was was she'd gone to the Pan American Games, and she had a, a really good start in the fencing, and then she had kind of you know she she was actually doing really really well, and then lost the touch, and then and then it just sort of collapsed after that, and she fortunately still qualified for the Olympics, but I I we were go- we went out for a run the week the week after to talk about her competition, and I said what you know what do you think went wrong? I think she was she had she had won seven touches in a row starting. And then lost like four in a row after. I said, what, what went wrong? And she thought about it and she said, I don't know. I should have tried to reset or something. I said, the first thing you should do is forgive yourself. When you screw up, forgive yourself and, and move on from it because we're all going to make mistakes. And even, you know, that was, a, that was a mistake on the day she qualified for the Olympics. And so if you can make a mistake on the day you qualify for the Olympics, you can make a lot of mistakes just walking through life. So I think... I think having forgiveness for yourself is a great start to whatever that journey is and saying, you know what, I'm not going to be perfect. And I'll tell you something, you think Olympic athletes have perfect bodies. They don't. Every athlete struggles with that. You know, all these things, uh, you know, I just got off the phone with a a fairly well-known Olympic gold medalist talking about some struggles. Uh, Everyone's imperfect. No one's got a perfect body. No one's got a perfect life. Forgive yourself. And then that frees you to make good decisions instead of say, I'm condemned to making bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good. Really, really good. Um, again, this isn't an, 
you know, someone I was talking with somebody today and people that have heard my podcast know that, you know, I started ballroom dancing and I'm trying to get out of my own way and enjoy that. And um, I've got a competition coming up in two weeks. And you know what? I'm starting to get in my own head about it and like that I can't do it. And like, what the hell am I doing going to this? And my girlfriend said, listen, you're just going to get your feet wet. Like you've been like and you're not competing against anybody else. And like, whatever, I got to get out of my own way. And so, like, I feel like it's going to be this test of, I don't know, the next two weeks. And I got to go dance today so that I can give myself that confidence so, that I could do, <laughs> that I'm going to do so all Laura, right. Here's a piece of trivia that I don't think you knew. Okay. I actually have competed in ballroom dancing. You have. So, af- after the Olympics, I was asked to do a, a local Dancing with the Stars tournament. Oh, no. And I spent about four months... <laughs> Yeah, I spent about four months. I think we were training three times a week with a with a pro, and I will tell you, I was more nervous doing that dance competition than I think I was at the Olympics. I was a ball at first because I mean, it's one thing to stick on a speedo and have ten million people look at you when you're training for it. It's another thing to step onto a dance floor, and I was doing a, a West Coast swing cha cha medley. Uh-huh. Uh, oh my gosh, I was a ball of nerves. So you're in good company. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah. I, um, and I've got to tell you, I, I'm just not there yet with the rhythm. Like, and I think that there's, I know there's a lot for me to learn there, but I'm like a smooth girl. Like, and I, maybe it's because I've played, you know, the piano since I was five years old and I played waltz and Chopin and Bach. I mean, I love that you put that music on and it, I can feel it. So I'm a smooth, you know, so it's the waltz and the foxtrot and the tango and the Viennese waltz. So but um, I got to tell you, I've just been in my head today all day. And I, um, ah, I got to, I got to make that, <laughs> make that stop. So, um, well, you know, I'll, I'll leave, I'll leave with this. I, you know, I, I used to get in my head all the time going into competitions, trying to you know, figure out how to be perfect. And then I actually worked years with a sports psychologist. A lot of athletes do. And what I started doing was planning to planning to screw up. And a lot of people were like, why would you do that? I said, well, cause it's going to happen anyway. You know, like, and so I would not, I would not actually plan on how I was going to screw up, but I would say when it happens, I'm going to have a plan for overcoming it. And, and that came for me the day I qualified for the Olympics. Um, at the time we were doing slow fire shooting and I was, I think the sixth or seventh shot and I jerked the trigger shot like a four, which is a train wreck of a, of a shot. And I, you know, I sat down and I thought, yep, I just did that. And I said, okay you can still be okay with it and thought it through. I said, okay, what caused the mistake? You know, just let's, yeah, I'm I'm like horribly embarrassed. There's tons of people watching this live and I just made a fool of myself. All right, let's, let's focus on a couple fundamentals. I came back, I shot three center tens, won the competition, punched my ticket to the Olympics. So everybody screws up. I mean, I will tell you, if your listeners are out there, you think Olympians don't screw up. Olympians are serial failures that did it so many times they messed up messing up and succeeded a few times despite themselves. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, so have, have some, have some grace and forgiveness for yourself, you know, and, and if you screw up in the middle of a dance deal, whatever, have a plan to overcome it because, Hey, it's probably going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> so, and right. Again, I'm yeah. not, I'm not going for uh, uh well, maybe I'll get a medal, but I could get a medal, but you know, I'm not going for the Olympic team and stuff like that. I'm just going to have fun. And um, I appreciate those wise words and just really appreciate you being with me today. I know both of our schedules are super crazy. Yours a little bit more than mine, but um, again, really appreciate you, Eli, um, to be with me today and to share 
share the words of wisdom. And I always appreciate everything that you do do share. If you're interested in getting in touch with Eli or following, um, seeing his journey in the past and into the future, um, again, I'm really super excited to continue on learning from you about those genetics that you're involved in, because that's, I think that's a pretty exciting wave of the future. Again, all of that will be in the show notes. Um, you'll be able to connect up with him. And again, uh, I think our there's a few messages here, but the message I want you guys to hear is that, again, nutrition does play a key in the way that we we show up the way we live our life. It doesn't matter if we're Olympics or a, a mom at home or anything in between, but just pay attention to that. If you need some help, we're here to help you to figure out again, how to build yourself up a strong foundation so that you can live your best life, uh, whatever you choose to do. So thanks for being with me, Eli. Thanks um, audience for listening and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, head over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. Share it with others and make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. I've got a tribe over on Facebook, so head over there and search for Juggling the Chaos of Recovery Podcast Tribe. And do you know somebody who has a story, a story to share, a story of recovery and hope? Please let me know as I'd love to feature them as a guest on one of these next upcoming podcasts. And perhaps you're looking for a community of like-minded, collaborative, and supportive people who cheer each other on as we strive to improve our lives. If that sounds like something you've been looking for, schedule some time with me. You'll find the links in the show notes. Let's talk and let me help you find your way. And I'm here to tell you that you're worth it.